0: Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the How Will I Die pod, hosted by me, Nicholas Howe, where I explore the many, many ways that I could possibly die in the future, in the past, and wherever the multiverse takes me. I would like to thank you for coming on this journey with me today as we explore a fun little tale of windows. I would typically have a guest with me, but due to circumstances, uh, I don't have one this week. Or this episode. So without further ado, and without further dilly dallying of the dally dilly, we're gonna jump right on into the episode. Welcome to the mind of Nicholas. Before I get into the actual story of what has happened to this universe's Nicholas Howe, I need to introduce him. Each Nicholas will have their own stat block, which will consist of relatively important information such as the location, occupation, age, and whatever other information I deem necessary for the Nicholas that you guys are being introduced to. Think of these as the same idea as all of the Barbie dolls. So there's like not Barbie, Lawyer Barbie, all of those. It's the same way as with the Nicholases. Today's episode is going to be about the Lawyer Nicholas. Lawyer Nicholas is 34 and he lives in New York City. He works as a corporate lawyer in Schaefer & Sons, and he's a relatively well-made person. He has a bit of an extreme streak because the thrills that he gets from doing stupid stuff more than makes up for the boring stuff he did in college, in law school, and at his job. A few months ago, one of his clients got one of the largest settlements his company had ever seen given. It was 100% a bogus case, but somehow he had convinced the state of New York to pay back a multinational, multi million dollar company all of the taxes that it paid that year. This caught the eye of Pete Schaefer Sr., who is obviously the owner of the company. Pete Schaefer decided that Nicholas's talents were destitute in the third floor and that he needed to be moved up 20 floors into his own personal private office. I was ecstatic when I found this out. The beautiful idea of Having my own office on the 23rd floor of a New York City building, that's wild to me. And when I got to the office, it was relatively small. I didn't expect much when I was entering it, but it was big enough for me to be doing business. Not as big as Pete's office, which took up half of a whole floor, but quaint enough that I could put a couch in there if I really wanted to. As Pete was showing me around this new office of mine, the Nick Den, as I want to call it, he started pointing out the really cool aspects I had this buzzer on my desk, which called my new assistant, Eric. He also showed me this really cool drawer in my desk, which had a hidden bottom for any secret items I needed to put there. He told me that he had one just like it in his office, but that I shouldn't tell anyone because wink wink. Pete is a pretty funny guy to me. That's why I decided to work here in the first place. As we moved around the room, Pete stopped at the window and he said... I want to show you the coolest part of this room. And he walked over to my desk where there was a stapler on it, picked it up, and tossed it at the window with full force. This yeeting of a stapler scared the hell out of me because I assumed, like a normal person, that the stapler was going to go through the window. It didn't, actually. It bounced off. Pete looked at me, smiling so happily, and proceeded to explain to me that the window was made of this new material that is 10 times stronger than regular bulletproof glass. That's wild, I thought, but why would I need that as a lawyer on the 23rd floor? He explained to me that he wanted to test out the window and thought that since I was already coming up here, maybe I could do it. I could be his little test dummy. So he motioned towards the desk and the chairs in the room and said, pick something up and throw it at it for me. I picked up this metal frame chair, thinking, alright, go big or go home. Pete had taken a few steps towards the window and to the side, and as I chucked this chair at the window, it bounced off and hit Pete in the back. There was a moment where I thought Pete was going to fire me, right then and there, but no, he just started laughing. He left, and I was left on my own to explore the space. It took me about two days to get kind of comfortable with my new situation. And when I was, I invited Thomas, my friend from the third floor up uh, to see my new office. I decided to play a little bit of a prank on him. I, I felt bad about it at the moment, as soon as it happened. But honestly, I wish I could do it over and over, and I did. As Thomas came up to my office, I was standing next to my window. And as he came in, we had a brief conversation as I walked a little bit towards him. And then I told him that I couldn't do it anymore. And that Pete was riding me so hard about a current case I was working on that I just couldn't take it. And on that, I did a heel turn and I ran out the window and jumped. Thomas screamed after me yelling, no, don't. But I bounced off the window and just kind of looked at him smiling. And he picked up a tape dispenser and chopped it at me. He was pissed in that moment. And I fully understand, but I needed that goof. That was the biggest thrill that I could get. After the tension faded, he started asking me questions about the window. Why didn't it break? What did you do just now? Did you actually not hit the window? I saw it with my own eyes, so what What happened? I explained that this was my special window that Pete had specifically installed for me. I loved it, and I exclaimed to Thomas how much I loved it. And I was like, hey, you need to throw shit at it now, too. Go ahead, throw stuff. He picked up a chair and chucked it. He picked up my trash can, and threw that, we were having a blast. Eric, at this point, knew that the sounds from my office were to be ignored, honestly, because... Over the course of two days, I had thrown so much at this window that it was wild. Thomas actually said he had an idea and he went downstairs to his car where where he had a bowling ball and he brought it back up and chucked it at the window. We both kind of took turns chucking it and the window just would not break. It was amazing. A few days later, I had Thomas send people up into my office And I would do the same thing with them each time. Maybe changing up the story a little bit. Maybe being like, oh, there's something I have to show you. I'm a superhero. And jumping at the window, making them think that I had gone delusional. When I showed Susan from Accounting, who was never really a friend to me, she was always more of a office i know you you know me let's leave it at that kind of situation but when she came up and i did the superhero ruse at her she got very pissed she actually complained to hr and pete had to come down to my office to tell me hey maybe don't do it as much when i told him that i was just doing it because he told me to he got a little pissy with me he told me that if i got another complaint they would take this window out and replace it so i i kind of stopped for a while. Thomas and I would continue to throw things at it, but not to the extent that I was doing. It wasn't until today that I had done another jumping at the window. See, Thomas was giving a tour to some hopeful interns at our company. He had decided to bring them up to me because, first of all, I loved teaching the next generation. and Secondly, I could fuck with them very easily. As we'd been talking for a few minutes, uh, I was explaining that there were many perks with joining the company and one of them his name is jeffrey or john or jonas or some other j name that i can't remember and honestly i will never remember he asked if there's any perks above like health and uh pay bonuses stuff like that and i started to explain to him that if you work hard enough you can get your own corner office or A humble office like my own, which has incredible tech advances. He was very confused by that, and I started to explain various little things that I'd put in. Uh, There was a clock on my wall that had digital numbers instead of analog, and I was acting as if that was some great advancement in technology for them who all have cell phones in their pockets. And then I got to the window, and I said, this is the single most advanced piece of technology in this room. I then started to explain that I couldn't show them why it was so important because it was a company secret. This younger girl, Tracy, she must have just graduated law school, was asking me questions like, why can't you, we won't tell anyone, stuff like that, trying to get me to spill this secret company secret. So I did. I told her that there was a superhero in this office and that that window was actually not truly a window, but a guise of a window that worked as a portal that sent people to wherever they wanted to go. The J named one was convinced I had lost it and kind of chuckled to himself. He said, if I could prove that, then he would believe me. So my thought was, all right. I I can prove that. So I said to him, you watch this young man. You watch as I, this company superhero, teleport. And I took a running start at that window and I jumped into it as Tracy kind of screeched. As I bounced off, Tracy and the J-named one were both relieved. One of the other ones started laughing. I also started laughing. He truly understood me. I wish I had gotten his name. I then explained to them that the window was just a bulletproof window and that it would never break. And so with them being as skeptical as they were, I offered them an opportunity to throw things at the window. They threw chairs, they threw office supplies. One of them threw a balled up piece of paper and I didn't quite understand that one. Why would that one break it when a metal chair wouldn't? The J named one asked me to jump at it again because he thought it was so cool and he pulled his phone out and he said, I really want to put this on my snap story. I believe that was for Snapchat or something. I'm not quite sure. So again, this time from all the way on the other side of my office to the window, I darted hitting, slamming into the window as hard as I possibly could. The same way I typically did it, maybe a little more force this time, but instead of bouncing off, I was windblown for a moment as I was basically lying down on this hurtling pane of glass outside of my office, looking at myself falling, watching as I am plummeting while laying down on this piece of glass, and through the glass I could see the ground quickly approaching. This was the single greatest rush of my life. I stood up kind of surfboarding along this plane of glass. As I got closer to the ground, I started having these flashbacks. I guess this is when they say that your life flashes before your eyes. But for some reason, every single one of my flashbacks happened to be a third-person view of me throwing my body at this window. Which, while it served for a great laugh in that time, it wasn't necessarily... The greatest thing I could be seeing right now. I could have been seeing the birth of my first child, or the day I got married to my beautiful wife Helen. But nope. My single greatest moment was this window, which left me feeling a little bit depressed as I plummeted. Probably wasn't great for my self-esteem as I was about to die, but in the last few moments before I hit the ground, I had this thought. When I hit the ground, I know I'm going to die and probably break apart. But when the glass hits the ground, will it break? Because this piece of glass was fully intact. And as I kind of looked at it on my way down, it had pieces of the wall attached to it still. So clearly the glass hadn't broken. It was the frame itself had fallen out, which I didn't think about being a possibility until right this moment. My last thought, before I hit the ground, before I blacked out, before I knew... Nothing about this world anymore Was just whether or not the glass would break below me and then nothingness No pain, but I did hear a sound the faint sound of glass shattering, but it was so distant. I still don't know if That was the window That I was on or somewhere else this act of accidental self-defenstration Which means throwing someone out of a window is actually based on a true-life event in which Gary Hoy, a 38-year-old lawyer in the Toronto law firm of Holden Day Wilson, uh, plunged to his death from the 24th floor of the Toronto Dominion Bank Tower. Obviously, in Toronto. Um, He was, at the time, showing to a bunch of basically legal assistants or interns is what they call him now, that he was able to throw his body into the window without it breaking. And his friends knew that this was going on, and they actively kind of encouraged it. Um, According to the Torontoist, at least their idea of what happened was that Hoy had a desire to prove the robustness of modern construction techniques, whimsy, or to just simply show off. So, I find it, as much of a tragedy as it is, a very ironic and funny story that the thing that eventually killed him was his need to show off his new office window. But honestly, when you get down to it, how many of us wouldn't do the same thing if we were told, Hey, you know this glass? It won't break. It's bulletproof. Wouldn't think of throwing our bodies at it, or at least throwing something at it. So, I, I fully understand where he was coming from. I don't think that I would do it more than once, which he apparently did a lot. Um, But, hey, that's just me. The reason I chose to do this story i guess was because of how drawn to the idea of it i was the first thing when i was researching this guy my first thought was why wouldn't you just throw a chair at the window like that would be my first logical thought is hey this thing's bulletproof i could throw a chair at it and be fine maybe throw a stapler at it hell, bring a gun in and shoot the window. I don't care. Maybe don't throw your body against it because your body is, like, the only thing you really have. Throw your wallet at it if you're really looking to, like, risk something. But I just find it pretty hysterical that someone with rational thought, he was a lawyer, a 38-year-old lawyer, so he knew things... His rational thought was, all right, how am I going to show this off to people? How am I going to show this off to my pals, my friends, and specifically in this instance, the new trainees that are coming in who I don't know? Imagine that being your first day of work. Um, Yeah, so this is the coffee room. By the way, I have something to show you. Like how wild would that be? And then to watch him actually go out the window Oh those poor dudes. Like yeah, it's sad that he died, but also how do you go to your next job interview? And be like, um yeah, so I, I recently interviewed uh with this major firm downtown and uh well the guy kinda jumped out the window in front of all of us. So I don't think I'm going to be taking that job. Um, y'all hiring? Because damn. So I just thought it was a very funny, ironic way to die for a man. And I figured that you guys would think so too. So I hope you guys enjoyed that part of this podcast. And we're going to real quick take a break. In this middle section, away from the actual story and it- kind of separating the comedic story with basically the rest of the podcast. I will be doing a short little interjection, hopefully, in each episode, which will be recommendations and just general announcements and sponsorships, stuff like that. Also, I will be doing fan messages, which will be fun, I hope. So what this section is going to be is I... Either I alone or with my guests, I'm going to give two recommendations. If there's a guest, it's obviously one from me, one from them. And if it's just me, I'm going to try and give two, but life doesn't always work out. So for this week, I have two recommendations to give. The first of which is going to be the Grave Girls podcast, which currently is one of my favorites. I've been pretty much listening to them non-stop recently, and I cannot get enough of them. The podcast is a horror movie review and comedic, I guess, understanding of horror movies. So the hosts, Hawthorne, Amaryllis, and Hazel will watch a movie and discuss it, as well as finding cases from real life and finding like creepy creepypastas and stuff like that. So if you guys are looking for a new horror podcast, or if you just like comedy, definitely check them out. The second recommendation I have for you guys today is going to be The Stranger Lands, which is a D&D actual play podcast set in a very cool-seeming homebrew world. The backstory is that there are no humans, elves, and dwarves, which are typically the most played races in the game, and so we get a bunch of different variations on on the races of D&D and it's an incredibly delightful cast um I've personally spoken with the DM a few times because he's a really great guy his name's Matt Witty Matt on Twitter uh two t's and witty one t and Matt so that's going to be it for this little podcast promotion uh section in the middle I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show and I will see you at the end (laughs) haha that's Yep, we'll see you then, Nicholas, from the past or the future. You'll never know. Now we're going to decide, based on the facts of that story, whether or not that's going to happen to... Your universe is Nicholas, the me that's telling this story right now. So let's look at the facts. Lawyer Nicholas was a thrill seeker, made it to 34 years old, was married with a kid for some reason to a woman named Helen, and he was also a lawyer and he went to law school. If I were to give this one a rating out of 10, I would say it's probably about a 4 because I'm in my last semester of regular college and I don't feel like I'm going to be going to law school anytime soon. But with my past in legal matters, especially during my time in teen court when I was a terrible person to other teens who had broken the law, I, I would actually move that up. So I'm going to say a 6 out of 10 for this story. I should also note, which is a weird place to put this, but every single one of these stories is improved completely, with the exception of the fact that my name is Nicholas Howe. And the main character of every story is going to be Nicholas Howe. We'll see where this lines up with the rest of the stories and see if this is, in fact, the most likely way that I will die. After all, the whole point of this podcast is to answer the lovely question of how will I die. To end each episode, I'm going to be doing a segment called Spam Slam, at least for now. So in this, I will be reading a spam email that I have received Over the course of the last four years, um, which I've printed out because I honestly find them to be absolutely the funniest things I've ever read. Um, most of them are actually very, very similar, but there are key changes that I just can't get over. So this one is from someone who went by the name Mark Smith, and its subject line was, hello dear. Hello dear, my name is Mark Smith. I'm the Group Chief Risk Officer in Standard Chartered Bank in New York City. I have this deal to share with you. When I resumed office last two years, I discovered that a customer from your country made a fixed deposit with my bank in 2007 for 36 calendar month. The maturity of the said deposit was the 18th of June, 2010. Recently, my bank management has requested that he should give instructions on either to renew or terminate his fixed deposit investment with us. But it has been unsuccessful for my bank to trace him, because he did not mention any next of kin when the account was created. He was not married and had no child. But it's quite unfortunate that he was killed during the crisis on one of his numerous business trips in Libya. My bank management is yet to know about his death. I was able to know about it because he was a very good friend of mine. which. Is wild. This is not part of the email. The fact that it was a friend of this guy's who he didn't know was dead, but now he does know, whatever. All right, back to the email. My major concern is this if my bank management discovers his death, the money will immediately be converted to their personal use, but I would not allow that to happen. I am now seeking your full cooperation to present you to my bank as the next of kin to inherit this money. The money will be transferred to your personal bank account. After this, we can share 50% to you and 50% to me. Let me have your interest and I will send you every other information you need to get this money from the bank. Regards, Mark Smith. Also attached is a WhatsApp number and something called WeChat, which I do not know what that is. Um... So sorry, Mark, I'm not going to be able to help you. I wish I could, but it's not going to work out for you. So I'm sorry. Um, If anyone really wants to help out Mark, I'll get you his information. Just go ahead and contact the show on Twitter. We've reached the end of our journey together here, and I hope you've had fun, because I know I sure have. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and reach out to me on Twitter at H-W-I-D-I-E-P-O-D. Or you can honestly just tweet at my personal account, at Plasmatic210, if you really want to. We hope to see you again. Well, I hope you hear me again. And remember, death is coming. Why worry about the inevitable? Focus on the possibilities.